All right. What is going on, guys? It is the Father Son Fantasy Football Podcast. My dad's not here for the intro, but um, we did a nice little episode today with Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter, talking about Week 7 review, trade targets, a lot of good information. Just went a little longer, but it's all good information. Before we get into that, I'd like to shout out our sponsor. If you're tired of getting crushed by the pros, DFS players, and sports betters, listen up. TheQuantEdge.com has the tools you need to play like a pro. They have a lineup optimizer, injury tool, wide receiver cornerback matchups, head-to-head tool. You're going to be armed with everything you need to win. You can make up to 150 lineups in seconds. See matchups to exploit. Compare players to help you make a right decision you're on the fence about over at TheQuantEdge.com. You also get exclusive access to the articles, industry experts, podcast, and the TQE community by participating in a premium membership chat. So we here at Fire Sun Fantasy Football have a special deal for our loyal listeners. You can use promo code FSFF to save some money. $10 off your first month. Go over to quantedge.com today. All right, and today we are thankful to be joined by Peter Howard. He's the projections guy for Roto Underworld and also the co-host of Dynasty Crossroads. What's going on, Peter? What's up, Peter? Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, not much up, just looking forward to another week of games and more stats to look at, to be honest. So. Yeah, big numbers, guys. So we got stats guy, and I'm a little bit of a stats guy. I don't really do it all. I just take the research that you guys do and then interpret that in my own way and use that to my advantage. I'll let you guys do all the number crunching and all that. <laughs> Say that for... <laughs> i wouldn't say i'm a big stats guy like i'm not the smartest or the best at it but it's just it's it's what i mostly research and you know where i try and find an edge that's why i say why i'm a more of a stats guy you know i don't want to put myself in the conversation with people that are actually you know geniuses at this stuff i'm just trying to (laughs) keep up right just trying to uh find what i can that might give me an edge one week over the other yeah, I, I don't think you. anyone's. I don't think anyone's a genius in this because everybody's <laughs> everybody's wrong all, a lot. You don't consider yourself a genius, Dad? Well, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to boast on myself. I'm just saying I've been wrong. Everybody, everybody's wrong. This is a tough thing to predict, and you know, we're all we all say what we think, and sometimes we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I did not expect this past week seven to go how it did. Uh, a lot of things annoyed me. I guess we can start with the London game this week. We had Tennessee against the Chargers. Uh, Titan side of the ball. That offense looks awful. They do. <laughs> Not much to take away from there. Corey Davis, I started in a couple leagues. What did he get me? Three catches for 10 yards. <laughs> like, what, what do you, I don't even know. What's, what's wrong with Corey <laughs> Davis right now? I consider him a buy low, I guess, but this offense, I don't even know if you want to consider him a buy low just because of how bad it is. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that if you didn't, because um, I've had the conversation on Twitter with a few different people. Um, what do you think of saying a player breaks out if he gets the opportunity? Like, good players earn targets, right? Earning targets in and of itself says this player is doing something on the field. Well, that's what I've always thought. And in that way, Corey Davis has been phenomenal. I mean, he's been getting all the opportunity. Um, so what... Wh- wh- I don't know. I'm with you. It's really hard to understand what's going on in the offense. I even like the quarterback. I know everyone hates him right now, but yeah. um, Mariota's been shown some really good stuff. Um, I know, guys. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, a cool stat I found, I was looking into it over at airyards.com by Josh Hermesmeyer. In the past three weeks, Tajay Sharp has actually a team-high .55 WOPR, which equates all targets, air yards, and all that into the stats. So, even though uh, Davis has had the most targets of 17, the errors have not been there. Only a seven yards average at the target. So I don't have like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know what weeks. to make of him either. I mean, he had seven catches for 101 yards. I, I don't know. He, he, he's not there every week, but I don't know. This whole offense, I think, is struggling besides Deion Lewis. I think Deion Lewis is the best fantasy option on the whole team. Um, but he, he's another guy who's not reliable week to week. So I, I don't really know about this Tennessee team. Yeah, no. Derrick Henry looks finally had a touchdown, but if I have him, I'm trading yeah, him away. But like, he still looks ter- he still looks terrible. Yeah, like man. I said, Deion Lewis is the best player on this team when he's there. Yeah. he can't I, count been, him every week. But I think you're right to be out on Henry. I know he he marks up as a good buy low, right? Someone we used to like who people aren't liking because of usage right now. But with running backs, I think we know what they are earlier in their careers and wide receivers, which is why I'm more likely to give Corey Davis a pass on whatever the hell's going on right now than, and than Derek Henry. This is like, what, the fourth time we've thought he's going to break out and then they just find someone else to start. It reminds me a little bit 
like entirely different player, but Lamar Miller, we all thought he might be good if he could get opportunity, and they just kept finding someone to put in front of him right. in um, Miami. And um, I know that that's that's a red flag for me. I mean, he's phenomenal size, and what he's done on the field has been okay. But I am actually more interested in the receivers. Like Dion Lewis has just proven, as long as he's healthy, to me, it's just usage. I think I think he's a fantastic player, especially because but um, bad, yeah. <laughs> All the this is one of the few. This is one of the few teams with two 18-year-old breakouts. I don't know if you pay too much attention to my rookie evaluation, but the way I do wide receivers is I look at how early they produce a certain amount for their college team. Um, and breaking out in that way at the age of 18 is like really rare. Like If you sort the, the, the entire history of the NFL by age 18 breakouts, you basically have the best wide receivers in the NFL. And some that didn't do it, obviously. But most... Yeah, right. uh, like not all that do it are great wide receivers. Not all great wide receivers do break out at 18, but it's there's a lot of crossover. And um, Corey Davis and Tajay Sharp are both two of those players. And um, so that's why I'm more likely to give Davis some lead. And it's interesting that Hermsmeyer and yourself just mentioned Tajay Sharp because I saw him getting more targets in the preseason. And he kind of had a mini breakout in his first year. And now he seems to be retaking the job from Tywan Taylor. And, you know, this year, like you say, the team's kind of just trashed. <laughs> but I'm really interested to see what he does going forward. And I'm still holding on to him in a few dynasty leagues, believe it or not. So. Yeah, very good for you. Definitely, if you guys are in leagues, keep an eye on Tajay Sharp on the waiver wire. And like you said, the breakout age, another 18-year-old breakout age, I think, was DJ Moore, who I like this year. So, he actually broke out at 19, but 19, he was phenomenal, yeah. phenomenally productive at 19. That's why I liked him. Gotcha. Yeah. Other side of the ball, the Chargers, they uh, pulled away to win without Melvin Gordon. Unfortunately, I had to wake up early to make sure he wasn't playing, take him out of my lineup. But <laughs> that's what you got to do for fantasy football. So Eckler played 95% of the snaps. And the main thing I want to talk about here, I think everyone knows Keenan Allen's a buy low. He's not looking up to his ADP. He's still a buy low for me because he still gets the targets. And last year you saw him do nothing really in the first half and everyone's like oh why are you drafting him in the second third round and then the second half of the season last year he just went off so i'm still trying to acquire this guy but tyrell williams i want to know peter do you think he's a real thing my dad loves tyrell williams so I, I loved him from the beginning of the year when everyone was talking about mike evans michael i mean uh, yeah mike williams yeah me too i've been doing that for a few years we were on we were on the same train we didn't even right. know it dude i know um, see Ty Tyra Williams has broken out in the NFL and that's like production trumps everything. If a guy's proven he can do something in the NFL, I really don't care about anything else, right? I mean, that yep. means he's good enough at something very few people are good enough to, to be uh, in the NFL. And so in the early part of the season, like you say, Mike Williams really seemed to be getting pushed targets and, and he was good in college, but that, that injury he sustained really worried me. And so I was still on the Tyrell Williams train, and targets really seem to have been shifting over towards him lately. So I'm excited about it. Um, but like you say, my problem with Tyrell Williams has always been as long as Keenan Allen's healthy, there's your guy, right? He's like a mini, mini, mini. Sorry, he's like a mini Julio in some ways, though. He's always struggled with touchdowns, like even in his best years. So. Um, that that's the problem with Keenan Allen, whether he gets touchdowns. And as long as Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams and occasionally Travis Benjamin are stealing enough targets, I, I, I think that's been his problem lately. Yeah, yeah I've, I've liked Tyrell Williams from the start. And I said it even in the start about Phillip Rivers, too, how much I love Phillip Rivers. I mean, this guy, he's very efficient all year long. Every game so far, he's been very efficient. He didn't throw the ball much this game. He didn't have to. He threw 26 passes. Uh, I think he had 306 yards, so another great game for him. And I love Phillip Rivers going forward and Tyrell Williams. I've been saying it, and I'll keep saying it. Yeah, it is a solid QB situation for someone like Tyrell Williams. You know he graded out um, in next-gen stats where they're tracking how fast players actually run on the field. Um, he's actually the fastest player in the NFL on the field, or he was in the years that they've actually wow. put that data out. Wow. Like, faster than Tyree Kill. They're on the field at the same time, and Tyra Williams is faster with the ball in his hands wow. than, than anyone else. Uh, he is quick. I mean, you can see the last fast. two games, he had a long, long catch, one in each game, and you can see him separate himself from the defender. He's got great speed. Right. Yeah, right there. No, he's, he's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Another game that was a lot of fun this weekend was Chicago versus New England. How about that game? Right down to the wire, almost a last second mm -hmm. Hail Mary by Mitchell Trubisky. But Trubisky still looks good. I I mean, this guy, I think, three consecutive games, like I said, in the waiver wire episode with uh, at least 300 yards, I think he had. 
333 yards this week, two touchdowns, two interceptions, but still a nice fantasy day. And no love for Allen Robinson or Taylor Gabriel, really. I don't understand what happened there. One catch for four yards for Allen Robinson on five targets. Um, any takeaways from this game you really see? Did he be standing out, Peter, or are you just uh, other than Jordan Howard getting less snaps and less snaps? <laughs> yeah, um, I've actually been looking at, I played um, Terry Cohen last week a lot. Um, he's been getting really interesting usage. I mean, what you tend to think is true, right? Um, Henry Howard, sorry. <laughs> he's getting the rushing work and Cohen's getting the receiving work. But Cohen's had an interesting distribution of like nearly half the touches overall. So um, I don't go for coaching narratives a lot, but the coach they've got there is it the play caller is Nagy, right? Yep. And um, he's got an interesting history with using Dion uh, Lewis or Tyree Cohen type running backs. So I think he might be the running back to own on that team. And he's another mm-hmm. player talking about Tyrell Williams. He's just fun to watch the things he can do with the ball. I was a big proponent of Howard, though, coming into the season just because he's been a top 12 running back. And again, that's just a rare thing, which so I wouldn't be surprised to see him bounce back in a few uh, good games here and there. But um, Cohen seems to be the the target right now, right? Yeah, I think Cohen's the back to own here. Uh... 12 targets this game compared to Jordan Howard's one. I think after week four, Nagy finally figured out how to use Cohen correctly because the first four weeks it was uh, Howard getting some more uh, targets than Cohen. It didn't make sense to me because I was like, you got Cohen here who can catch the ball and do a lot of things with the ball, not Howard who struggled to catch passes last year. A little better this year, but uh, I think he's had 20 PPR points the last three games since his role's changed since week four. So three Cohen is the back to own. Dad, you with that or are you saying Jordan Howard? I think Jordan Howard could still be valuable. I think you can no, see. I think I think it's shifting toward Cohen. I think both of you guys are right. They're definitely shifting. He's the guy to own there. Yeah, I think you're right though. It's kind of like um, me and Jake on the Crossroads podcast thing that we we do. <laughs> um, we we ended up talking about Philip Lindsay, and he really likes Philip Lindsay and the Broncos. And something we ended up pointing out is there's no reason to hate players just because they're really good at something. Right, Howard's really good at running the football. I mean, the usage might be a problem, but that's still not a reason to like dislike Howard. I mean, not many people are as good, it turns out, at running the football. So I like him for what he does well. Um, so I, I don't know how we're talking, whether we're talking about season long or dynasty or, or are we talking about trade targets, but he's not someone that I'm eager to trade away right now because he is really good at what he does. They did try to feed him the ball in the receiving game early on, like you said, and it just it's just not part of his game, but he is very good at something. And so I want to keep, I want to keep remembering that, right? I don't want to stop thinking about how good he is just because Cohen's the guy right now. Yeah, we're mainly a redraft PPR podcast, occasionally some dynasty takes, but mainly when we talk about it in general sense, we're a redraft PPR. So this year, Cohen's the back to own. I still think they both have value. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, rest of season two. And then Trey Burton looked good week seven, but I uh, the tight end position's hit or miss this year. It's really, yeah, really weird. He had his biggest game for the Bears so far. I mean, nine catches, 126 yards, one touchdown. And how about, uh, like you were talking about Trubisky before. He he ran eight yards for a touchdown, but he ran about 73 yards if you, if you do the stats. Yeah. So it yeah. took him 73 right. yards to get an eight-yard touchdown. That was pretty impressive. That's a workout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's someone were, that's they come. They were chasing him. They were chasing him down, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's someone that's come up with an interesting rushing floor. I don't quite, yeah. like, it's still early in his career. I'm not willing to pronounce him one way or the other, but he's been good the last couple of games. And, um, you know, a quarterback either has to be Drew Brees, like an immaculate pocket passer, or they have to have some type of rushing to be a really good fantasy quarterback. And so him rushing a lot lately, not just in that that one play and that one game, but um, he's been doing it a lot lately. And so that's that's positive, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. Um, other side of the ball, Josh Gordon getting more and more work. He had 95% of snaps compared to his 81% snap share in week six. He had a seven target, four catches, 100 receiving yard line. I mean, the target's there. He's getting used more. I think he can be Brady's favorite weapon moving down the stretch. I mean, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Josh Gordon fan, but I don't know the Randy Moss comparison. It's definitely not true, but he's definitely going to be fantasy relevant right. <laughs> down the stretch of the season. Um, Sonny Michelle also got injured in this game. And then you saw Gronkowski get sidelined and Chris Hogan get targets. The, my biggest miss this whole offseason was Chris Hogan. I'm really mad about it. As I said, top 15, this dude's sucking. Last three, yeah. last three, last three weeks, too, Tom Brady's been Tom Brady, the Tom Brady of old. I mean, 
Right. They, they, they do look good right now, the Patriots. Yeah. They do. Yeah, I don't know what to make of um, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. You're exactly right. That's yeah, uh, yeah. We've come to expect it, and he's still doing it. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know what to tell you about Josh Gordon. I'm I'm one of the few people that I think have never fallen for Josh Gordon. Like, um, you know, his value goes up and down more in Dynasty, yeah. which is mostly oh. what I play, more than any other player. You can buy it. You could have made uh, first-round picks just after f- selling Josh Gordon and then buying him back when he was dropped from a roster. Like you could have done that every year the last three years. Um, I'm I'm not someone that's fallen into that, but with Tom Brady, um, and he's grown in targets and he's been looking good. Um, yeah. like say on the field, I don't know, man. It's it's I'm starting to get tempted for the first time. Yeah, definitely tempting there. And then uh, Kenyon Byron did good in uh, Michelle's absence, but I don't know if you can trust him moving forward, but. Next game I want to go to is Buffalo, Indianapolis. Don't want to spend a lot of time on Buffalo because it's Buffalo. I'm not starting any, I'm not starting any <laughs> right. bills. That's all I'm saying. And so other side That's of, all you need to say. Other <laughs> side of all, Indianapolis, Marlon Mack. Let's just start with that. This guy, uh, he looked good. He had 56% snap share, which wasn't as much as I thought he would get, but uh, it looked like he was boom bust in 2017, and I saw the boom in week seven. So uh, this guy, 23 I predicted times. the boom in week seven, just ask Sam. Our buddy Sam. We'll talk. We'll we'll, we'll get to him tomorrow night on the podcast, but definitely will. I think T.Y. Hilton's a interesting buy low candidate. He did have two touchdowns this game, but uh, didn't put up a lot of points or have a lot of targets. But uh, I think you can maybe just throw some offers out there and see if you can get him. Uh, what's your outlook on T.Y. Hilton moving forward, Peter? I love T.Y. Hilton. He's he's a great receiver, and Andrew looks a great quarterback and. Early in the season, everyone thought his arm wasn't good um, anymore. But, you know, doctors said it was, and he said it was. So I kind of trusted it. And um, so far, it's proven right. He's thrown the ball just so much, almost as if to prove the point, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, I love T.Y. Hilton. I love that quarterback. So, yeah, especially in redraft, I'm really excited. He's back. He looked healthy last week. Um, His touchdowns were just on like broken drives that they just had to throw in the red zone on, which isn't exactly his game. But um, where the offense has been slightly different this year anyway, it kind of needs to make it his game. But I really like the player. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely in on that. Gotcha. And then uh, for a dynasty perspective, interesting by low right now, Deion Kane, is that yes or no? Are you more on the Darius Fountain side of that for – I was, uh, I know neither are likely to get a lot, <laughs> but um, especially this year. But I would lean Fountain more. He did more at a younger age in college. Again, that's go. just where I go with it. Yeah, easy enough. Next game: Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars. Texans. Uh, they wonder was it four straight game? I believe they started zero and three, and now they're four and three, and they play tomorrow night against the Dolphins. Who we're not going to talk about that game. That's going to be awful to watch. <laughs> but uh, Kiki Kuti sidelines. So Will Fuller. Gets targets, so I think Will Fuller is a interesting buy right now, just for this weekend, and probably sell him after this week. Because when Kiki's in, you see his targets go down. And Lamar Miller hit 100 yards exactly on 22 carries. It's his first 100 yard game of the season, but uh, I'm selling and him. a touchdown. I'm, I'm selling a touchdown too. Yeah, yeah, I'm selling him. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Are you selling or are you holding on to Lamar Miller or buying? I guess I'll ask Dad first. What do you guys say? Are you selling Lamar Miller, holding him, or are you buying Lamar Miller? I'm, I, yeah, I'm selling him and waiting for uh, what's his name to get off the IR. Foreman. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, if you can. Yeah, your, da- your dad's right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, we, we've gotten a small window here to get out <laughs> after yeah. after waiting for him to be a full on bell cow, and so I, I take it if you can get it. And um, so yeah. Yeah, those are the games. I'm like, finally, I can sell this guy maybe after this week. So uh, other side of the ball, T.J. Yeldon had his uh, highest snap share of the season. Oh. 82%, so I like that. They just just get Carlos Hyde, but he wasn't active. Uh, they released Jamal Charles after the game. Uh, this I don't really know what to yeah. do about this until Fournette gets back. I think once Fournette gets back, he's going to take the backfield over. I can the, well, the, the offense is struggling. I mean, they bench, they bench Bortles. Uh, he's starting again this week, but the, the offense is definitely struggling right now. I don't, I, I don't even know what ride, ride receiver you can count on anymore. Uh, I like Cole, but look at the offense. Yeah, but he's not doing enough to me. I think it's time to sell him, or he, he can even be benched at times. I mean, he's he's done nothing really. In he's had season, one good game, I think. 
yeah, in this season, I th- I don't think there has been a wide receiver to own in this passing game. It's always been spread out. I like Cole, like you said, um, early on, but he's just not dominating the target share enough to ever do enough right. for you. So if you can get something for him, like putting him with someone else and trading him for someone people might be low on right now, like, hell, if you could get Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, even Fournette, if you think there's a chance he comes back this year. Yeah. Long term, I really... Sorry, dude. There you go. I was just saying. <laughs> Long term, I really like Yeldon. Um, I know we're talking mostly this season, but Yeldon's uh, could be free of this team next year. Um, he's done a lot of good stuff, especially in the receiving game. Um, and so he's a more interesting player from you know my perspective. I want to go back a second because um, I've heard that before from like a really good source. I think I've heard Evan Silva describe Kiki Kukit, Kude, Kute, whatever, oh, say, yeah. the exact same way you just did. So, you know kudos on who you sound like to be fair <laughs> and the way you're analyzing games you're doing something right um but i had a slightly different interpretation until he said that i i saw will fuller get hurt then leave then come back injured and then get the jaguars so i thought i didn't think it was as much a part as much kiki as it was what will fuller was going through right now and what am i wrong on that it's gonna or... be interesting to see because i know not this game where Fuller got injured. Fuller didn't play the week before, I don't think. Did he? I don't know if he did or not. So I guess it'll be interesting to see when they're both healthy, 100%. But uh, I still think Kiki gets some targets, which makes Fuller lose some. I think Hopkins stays the same. Regardless, I think... I think Fuller, Fuller was out last week. The week before, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be hard to see who Watson likes more. That offense is also not really that good. The offensive line's just bad. So I guess whoever's open, Deshaun Watson throws. He doesn't really have a preference between the two even though you'd want it to be Will Fuller because this guy's fun to watch to stretch the field. Yeah, Will Fuller hadn't yet broken out, and so I was lower than than everyone who already seemed to think that he had just because, you know, he's good, obviously, but he'd nev- not yet, like, had a 1,000 yards or been a top-12 receiver, and so I was kind of low on him. But this year, he's getting targets constantly, even with DeAndre Hopkins on the field. When he's healthy, uh, like you say, you know, Watkins has been targeting him a lot, and so... I know if people are low on him because of Kiki right now, that that might be someone I'm interested in, uh, even this season. If you think he can get healthy again, yeah, for sure. And also, it's also hard to tell too because uh, two weeks ago, before this week, they faced Indianapolis, went to that overtime game and had a lot of pass volume. Then they went to Dallas overtime, a lot of pass volume. So all these numbers are kind of inflated. So I want to see a normal game with Kiki and Will Fuller healthy, but I think it's a uh, time to buy low on Will Fuller. And so yeah, high on Lamar Miller. The, the, the Texans are still doing something right because they won four games in a row. Exactly. So they're, <laughs> they're definitely doing something right there. Yeah. We're the, getting wins, right? Let's talk um, right. You guys are no better in season. I, I was just interested in what you thought. So thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to judge that situation, especially because they're both young. Um, you've seen Ford right. have the more report. But uh, next game, I want to go to Detroit Lions that Kerry and Johnson, 59% snap share, 12 percent higher than his previous season high we like to see that and i hope yes, hopefully peter from a dynasty perspective you love carry on johnson i don't know how you feel about him but uh redraft i like him going forward from now he had a blow up he had a blow up game and i hope it continues 158 yards and 19 carries he also had two grabs for 21 yards so i hope it continues for him yeah, what's the outlook on carry on johnson for you pete i'd still more be more interested in mac especially if there's a value difference um, I like Carrion Johnson. He's he's good. I mean, we just saw that he's a good player, <laughs> so, <laughs> even at this level. So I can't say I don't like him. Um, but I don't know. It's weird from a dynasty perspective because he got pushed up like above Geis in some situations where everyone was getting injured um, for a long-term view, and I just thought that was squiffy. I think Geis cl- is clearly a better long-term prospect, right? Yeah, um, I agree with that. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah, no, I, was... I certainly do. Um, so I like people. him to a point would be what I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, uh, Theo Riddick was out and he still only got two targets. Like I say, I, I don't mean to say this isn't a player that's definitely going to be useful this year. Keep keep him, keep plugging him in. But um, I don't know where his value is at right now. I wonder if it's gone a little too high. And in that way, it's useful season long because you could use him to get someone maybe a little more solid all around. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking to try to package carry on with a wide receiver to get David Johnson right now. Where I mean, it's only by low. Oof. I'm gonna try. That'd be nice. I'm gonna try. Uh, <laughs> he did have nine more carries than Blunt in Week Seven. His previous season high was only two more, so that's a thing. And then they only threw the ball 22 times, so not a lot of look from his passing volume. Other side of the ball, though, Miami, 
you think Adam Gaze knows to give the ball to Kenyon Drake over Frank Gore, <laughs> or it's just like you can see the explosion. I don't. It's just uh, I don't know. I mean, he he would have had another bad game if he didn't have that long run. Yeah, he would have. Right. Well, he only touched the ball ten times. I mean. Yeah, yeah I'm with your dad here. I, I really didn't like Barner. Sorry to keep talking, but oh, I just enjoy go, this stuff, guys. <laughs> you, get, you, you guys fun to talk to, and I just keep jumping in. You're good. Um, I, I, I didn't like Kenyon Drake. I thought he was overrated. I thought he and so far, I've been right. And um, one thing, like you said, I've been doing projection, projections, <laughs> if I could say <laughs> the word properly, maybe. Um, uh, trying to work on Miami this week, I couldn't find the receivers to give the ball to. <laughs> Um, and I ended up giving more to um, Drake than I ordinarily would have. And a blurb I saw on Roto World or somewhere said the team's thinking the exact same thing. Like they're planning to use him as a receiver. And that's interesting. Um, so especially this week, he might be a, a, an interesting play. Uh, despite like what your dad said, I think he's fairly overrated as a running back. And um, But if he's getting more receiving work, that could sustain that unsustainable play last week if you yeah, know what i mean i have him in one league and i i just i started him and he's done nothing and then i sit him and i just don't know <laughs> when to put him in right not to, that, you know that's the beauty of fantasy football right but uh yeah. but wide receiver they're hurting and wide receiver too and i think if Devonte parker comes back this week i mean he's going to be a healthy receiver for them and miami needs a healthy receiver right now so we'll have to see if he comes back and what he does but he's supposed to play this week so they're playing him so reluctantly. Like, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> the conference, like, well, we got no one else. Right, um, exactly. the the person they've activated from the practice squad, or they're going to, is Leonte Carew. He's someone I was really interested in when he was drafted. I think it was the third or fourth round. Yeah, he was yeah. one of those people that produced really early, but since being in the league, he has sucked something hard, <laughs> like worse than Devonte Parker, kind of sucking. Yeah. At least he got injured a few times. And um, so I don't know, but he might be someone an interesting name to keep your name, uh, keep your eye on this year. But he's someone, like I said, when we got on here in Dynasty, I've been trying to find room for him in some deep Dynasty rosters too. Yeah, he's a Dynasty darling, as people on the community <laughs> call him. I, I saw your piece on him in the fourth year, third year breakout, whichever one he is. Uh, right. Yeah. Interested in him, yeah. stashed him in two leagues. Still he has not lived up to that. Not yet. <laughs> but, um, opportunity. He's got to get the opportunity. Hopefully, they give it to him this week. But we'll see. And we got the archetype of Rashad Matthews. Like, Miami has buried a good receiver without giving them opportunity. And it's not about them before. Like, um, right. he was on their practice squad at one point and then languishing on their depth chart. Sorry, I tend to just keep talking if no, you don't stop me, guys. No, oh, well, we like you it. can just remind me to shut up. Right? <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I, don't, I don't get offended by it. There's a guy I don't like to shut up about, and we're going to go to that game right now. It's Minnesota versus the Jets. Stefan Diggs is my favorite player, as uh, some people know, and it's disappointing. I mean, he did have the highest whopper. He had 14 targets, 8 catches, 33 yards, but 33 yards and 8 catches, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that at all. Um, no. <laughs> I do think he's a great buy low right now. He has an easy schedule for the next four games. Um, so please go out there and make your trade offers. Try to get this guy. Um, he's still got a special place in my heart, and I'm hoping he can bounce back in some sort of way. And Adam Thielen's really, really good. Elite, obviously, you see seven straight games of 100-plus yards. And I don't know if I see that slowing down because this dude is just getting air yards. He's getting targets. He's touchdowns. Everything you could hope, possibly hope for, especially from a third slash fourth round draft pick this in redraft leagues this year, and really cheap in dynasty. People were sleeping on him. I know you weren't, Peter. I saw you have him top uh, twelve, I believe, right? Yeah, I did. I I I think I'm gonna flip them now because the conversation in dynasty was Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs in certain circles, and my argument was always, why not both? <laughs> I think they're both really good receivers. Yeah. Um, and Adam Thielen, what he's been doing has just been amazing. Yeah. So. I, I probably have to flip him, but I'm definitely not. I, I'm going to keep on the Stefan Diggs train because his potential is um, like, I don't think he's going to turn out to be Antonio Brown, it turns out. No. But he's he's better than what he's doing right now. Yeah. Um, and he's still been solid. Like you said, he's got 116 fantasy points on the season, 16 points a game or so. And that's that's more than solid. That's startable every week. Yeah. So uh, I'm not I'm not incredibly disappointed by what he's doing. But as long as you know, Thielen's there doing this and. Well, Thielen's uh, he's, he's unbelievable. Again, he's, right. that's the seventh straight game with 100-plus yards for a guy who was undrafted. I mean, it's fantastic. I'm just wondering if defenses are going to start to, like, 
the coaches are going to start to say double team Thielen and not double team Diggs because Diggs has been getting double covered a lot lately. And then, I mean, it shouldn't really matter, but it does just because Kirk Cousins, does. Whether yeah. whether Kirk Cousins is like, single oh. covering him or doubling him. He's seven straight games with 100 plus. Oh, well, they're double covering him. If he was single covered, he'd be getting all the targets. I mean, yeah. if I'm a quarterback and I see one guy, my one A double covered, and I see my one B and Thielen single covered, I'm going to get a ball of Thielen. Like, why not? You know, it's easier. They're both like the same talent level, arguably. It's hard to predict or explain coverages like yeah. that. Um, that's the difficulty with saying whether defenses matter or not or which matchup's going to work. I mean, some people are better at another's. I think your overall point is right, though. I mean, the game that Thielen, he can't keep catching. As much as I love him, he can't keep having 100 yards and a touchdown every game. As fun as that is, <laughs> just mathematically, eventually he'll catch 80, at least one game. And in that game, Stefan Diggs might do well. The interesting thing last week, of course, was that it's, the game seemed to be pretty much put away and Thielen stopped getting targets for a while and they just concentrated on digs. And that's where his 14 came from. They were just hitting him over and over again. I don't know yet if that was a coverage thing, like you're saying, or just like the team loves both of these players. Yeah. Like they want them both to succeed. So that's a good thing for both of them as well. Yeah. I think it's a. The, the, before you go to the other side of the ball, the biggest thing with Dalvin Cook out, and he's probably going to be out the next two he weeks. He came so. out saying that he's going to be out till after yeah. the week 11 bye. And so I'm like, what Murray, the heck? Murray has been playing pretty good in his absence. So, Yeah, he's always been a solid him. replacement, right? Yeah. He's always yeah. underrated, but comes in, just is a good player and does his job. And, yeah, you got to like Murray for that. Yep. Yeah. All right. So other side of the ball, Blau Powell on the Jets, out for the year, IR. So, Trenton Cannon, rookie, came in, caught four or five passes for 69 yards. He's a sixth-round pick, people don't know, out of uh, Virginia State. He had a 4-4-5-40. And this is a guy in Dynasty that I stashed. I'm happy to have him on my team. I'm rolling him out this week. Um, Chris Herndon also it looks to be a good target. And then you see Jermaine Curse, who people had in their lineups this week, and just disappoint. He had played 90% of snaps, though. So that's um, I don't really know what else to take away from this game. Um, are you more on the Cannon uh, side, Peter, or the Maguire side? Both in redraft and dynasty, I guess you can say. I almost forgot about Maguire until I saw he was designated to return this week. And Cannon's someone I noticed. I got lucky. I Like you, I added him a few places because I was researching Crowell because I thought he was being underrated just as someone who could suck up a lot of volume. Um, I got him in, like, Scott Fishbowl 8 and stuff. And, you know, he's had some really good games. But um, Cannon was actually a really good receiving back in college. Like, he caught the ball a lot. And with Powell now, I just saw that he needs surgery and stuff. And yeah. last week, did he catch a touchdown? I know he caught the ball a couple of times. But I, I'm, I've, I've never really been on the Maguire bandwagon. I've never really seen it from him. So I'm kind of I'm more on Cannon, especially in Dynasty. There it is. I saw my dad pick up Maguire in two leagues. Uh so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I, I, that's a really good shot too. Yeah. I got free, Powell too. Yeah. Oh, Powell, yeah. Powell's on my team. My my teams this year have been plagued with injuries. Powell's another guy to go down. So there you go. Yeah, why not? On we got right? to drop him. I picked up. Mag I see Maguire was still available, so we'll pick him up. Yeah, we'll see what he does. Yeah. All right, we got Definitely. seven games left to go through. I uh, say we try to get these done pretty quickly. Sorry. So <laughs> no, no, you're fine. We're good. These games aren't even that really important. Uh, Carolina, Philadelphia. We'll talk about that. McCaffrey disappoints me once again. Uh, not getting a lot of fancy points. He's getting it done, though, for the wins, I guess. But this dude, once again, no touchdown. Only seven carries, 29 yards. I guess it's all game script dependent. Philadelphia played him really tough. So I don't really know what to see from this. Uh, Funches, still number one wide receiver, and continues to be the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL, just like Matt Kelly says. Uh, Pretty much. Uh, oh, you, know, you know, the Panthers had zero points with 10 minutes and 41 seconds left in the game. And then Cam Newton took over. Now, what I mean, to bring him back to win the game 21-17, I'm not a big Cam Newton fan, but he looked impressive the last 10 minutes there. Right. He can do things no one else can do as uh, well. So, I mean, yeah, I like Cam Newton. Just he, he got off to a slow start, but he finished fast. So Yeah. And uh, Greg Olson looks back, plays huge snap shares, and has ran more routes uh, than on 80% of his, 80-plus percent of his uh, snaps and dropbacks he's ran routes on, which is a good sign for a guy who, He's dealing with a broken foot, somehow playing through that. So props to Greg Olson. Other side of the ball, Alshon Jeffrey seems to be the, the real deal. I did not expect this from Alshon. He's nope. been going off the past three weeks. He has eight-plus targets in four straight games. So is we it... were both, me and you, were both high on Aguilar at the beginning of the year, and he, he's yeah. had really one, one decent game. Other than that, he's been a dud. Yeah, it looks like Jeffrey's just, Jeffrey and Ertz. Ertz is the focal point of the offense, yes. and I think that Jeffrey's just he's doing good. The Eagles' offense is... 
decent, but their defense is awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's it. No, the, uh, the team likes him. Um, like you said about Aguilar, he's someone it's hard to explain uh, from any perspective. But um, as long as there's another option, they go to it. So that, yeah. Yeah. that probably tells you all you need to know. Um, and Jeffrey's someone I've been off on. I gladly take the loss or the incorrect call on Jeffrey because it worked for a few years, so that was fine. <laughs> yeah. But this year, he definitely seems to be back, and he's someone when he's back, he's good. Yeah. So I think you're right on it's that. It's crazy. I, I also was low on him. Uh, I know we had Nick Sparts on from Beerfield Fantasy Football saying that he disagreed with my bus call on him. So I took him off my bus list, but I was still lower on him than most. Uh, I don't know, outside top 24. And I'm looking like I'm no, to, wrong on that. <laughs> to the last three weeks, he's had like a 70% whopper, which is a weighted opportunity uh, measurement between targets and air yards so how far he's getting the ball and how often he's getting the ball which is like elite in the last three weeks yeah. that's like top of the league anything over the league, 0.5 so. i consider good or 0.45 right honestly. so <laughs> him doing that it's just insane uh let's move on to the browns bucks game the browns going overtime again just to lose uh i mean for the fourth time this poor team four time four overtime games this season yeah, that's I insane. mean, when, when are they going to get a break? They got a break for their first win in a long time. But other than that, I mean, four overtime games, come on. Let's talk about Nick Chubb, though. I had him on my uh, number yes. three for rookie running back rankings behind Saquon. And, guys, I don't know where you had him, Pete, but I was a big fan of him just because of what he looked like on film. I looked more into the film than the numbers for him. But uh, he looked good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's he's definitely a good runner. Um, he's he's capped by again. He's a role player, but that's not a bad thing. Um, and now he's got the whole backfield basically to himself. It's great. I mean, Duke Johnson should get more, but I know with the Browns, I've been thinking of it this way. And let me know. I haven't actually mentioned this to anyone yet. So does this sound crazy? We're seeing the limits of what a really talented team can do with terrible coaches. Yes, thank you. Like, was, that's what's going on There's something that's right wrong now. here. They're just, they're just missing that one little thing. I was thinking maybe like a defensive piece or two, but I think you, what you just said right there, coaching. Oh, that, Hugh Jackson is awful. Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Oh, dude, this guy. It's not hard to beat up on the Browns coaching staff, so it's not like a hot take, but I was thinking, you know, there's something to learn from that. Yeah. Like, this is what a team looks like when the players are talented. And I really do believe, like, Chubb's great at what he does. I think Duke's fantastic, but oh. he's not getting the ball. That defense, I mean, he's been, you know, really solid in a lot of spots. And um, the wide receivers are good. Baker Mayfield is definitely struggling. That's worth noticing. So that might be part of it. But he's definitely better. He's definitely really promising for the future, at least. Yes. But um, I was just thinking, like, this is what a, this is the limits of where talent can take you, right? At some point, you need good calls. <laughs> yeah, I know. Definitely do. Yeah. And, uh, the interesting stat I see right here is Chubb ran a route on 48% of Cleveland's dropbacks, which is more than Hyde did so far. So he's getting some possible targets coming his way soon, but I don't think he beats out Duke Johnson. They got to Johnson the ball more. He's really talented with the ball in his hands. And then uh, according to player profile, Nick Chubb had nine evaded tackles versus Tampa Bay on only 18 carries. That's 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 like almost <laughs> right. Saquon-esque. <laughs> right. Um, Jarvis Landry. The buy low finally panned out. He had a touchdown and uh, 95 yards. And finally. Finally. And then uh, yeah. David Njoku. He's been more points than Gronk in the past, I think, four weeks. So. Four yeah, straight games with 50-plus points. 50-plus points? What? 50-plus <laughs> yards, sorry. <laughs> no, he's, he's definitely in the middle of a breakout, which is a big thing for a tight end where it's such a difficult position for some people to play so yeah i love nick chubb uh, i love <laughs> david johnson uh, no <laughs> i love david ninjoko and um, something to point out he's actually got the almost exact same whopper in the last three weeks as uh, antonio callaway who everyone's keeps hoping for but he turns out to be incapable of catching the ball yeah. um, but <laughs> like ninjoko is getting the same opportunity at a lower a dot so he's getting the ball a lot more often so yeah yeah uh, Love Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. and David and Joko, who I keep mixing their names up. For some <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happens. Uh, Tampa Bay, other side of the ball. Chris Godwin, from a dynasty perspective, you may like. I don't know how you feel about him. Uh, he's interesting. Yeah, I don't know how the organization's yeah. going to do next year, but he's a really young player, and I know Matt Kelly yeah. was saying how he's better than Mike Evans this whole off season and stuff. I right. I get the argument. I get I get it. I like it. Um, I'm not a big Mike Evans fan. I used to be, but then. But all he does is just catch the ball and fall down. So, right, not much, yeah. not much to do from him. 
He's always going to be a low efficiency receiver. He doesn't add yards after the catch. No. I've I've been on the hate Mike Evans bandwagon. It, it's become so popular. It's time to get off. I think <laughs> because he's still he's doing a really good job at what he does. Yeah. All right, so just time to respect that. But um, I actually like Justin Watson. If you want to go really deep Justin on this Watson, depth chart, the guy I have every single um, dynasty league just because of the podcast and your yeah. writings and stuff like that, right there, Justin Watson. Tell the people about Justin Watson. We're, we're talking about maybe in two more years, he might get a shot somewhere, but um, he's one of like three or four wide receivers with the type of market share at the type at, at an early age that he actually possessed. He played in an Ivy League school, which people tend to kind of hate. But you got to, like I talk about market share all the time. I forget, not everyone that goes to a small school gets a lot of their teams receiving yards and receptions. We tend to think because it's a lower competition, like everyone's doing it, it's really rare. And it's like Justin Watson and Demarius Thomas. Those are pretty much the only two wide receivers I can name that have the type of market share that they did in college. And Demarius Thomas, it might be difficult to remember this year, but he's he's just a dominant wide receiver one. And now Chris Godwin, like you said, he's a very good player, really good player in Dynasty, and Mike Evans is too. And Deshaun Jackson, as we're all now remembering, or we were at the start of the season, is really good. So it's a long way off. <laughs> um, I don't know how I'll ever get opportunity, but he's someone I want to just bank on that talent and hope he wants one day gets opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this receiving needs running backs, frankly, on this team. Yeah, no running backs. Ronald Jones. Well, this, the running game is tough. I mean, Peyton, Peyton Barber's doing everything in his power to give up the starting job back to the rookie. <laughs> I mean, they have, am I right or wrong? I mean, he's, right. they're terrible. Last week, the running game finally showed promise. This week, they're back in the dirt. Their running game is terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And, and Jamison Winston, I mean, he was my start of the week. He had a decent game, 365 yards, no touchdown, but he's also a turnover machine. Hey, I mean, he threw two interceptions honors, and he though. lost. He is. He lost the ball for a fumble, but he makes yeah. up for it with his volume because he does get the volume every week. Yeah, that's true. He struggles. Um, he's someone that I would say uh, you're more right than I was. I thought he was going to be worse than he is. Um, maybe it's just the offense. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I've joked on Twitter, like he, maybe he can be good as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick. But um, the offense seems to be just custom built to have a quarterback produce yeah so yeah. i can kind of put that on hold right if you if you have this offense he's going to produce um as, as nail biting as he might be like you're pointing out an occasional bad play and interception here and there but with right. these wide receivers man you just gotta buy into it i think yeah yeah and uh another dynasty wide receiver i love and i took in the second round in most of my dynasty rookie drafts this year was traquan smith and the saints Finally getting that opportunity, played 73% of snaps, and he had a team-high 68 air yards in Week 7. Traquan, what can you tell me about Traquan, Pete? (laughs) Anything you want, really. Um, (laughs) That's actually who we're meant to be speaking about on our podcast tonight. We do talk about one player at a time. He broke out at age 19. Again, doing it earlier than that is really rare. Most good players break out at age 19. But his market share is also, like, clearly above the average successful NFL receiver every year after that. He's, I don't know yet. I mean, we, we, some people thought Christian Kirk was only a slot receiver because they didn't look into his profile close enough. We don't know what a player is going to do in the NFL based on what they do in college. We can just say whether they were good or bad on that team. But Traquan Smith was like an efficient deep ball receiver. Like that's, that's not something that happens, right? The deep ball in and of itself is an inefficient throw because if, if you don't catch it, you've lost all, all of that value. But he made these difficult-to-catch targets efficient, uh, deep. And like I say, I'm hoping to test my medal against Jake tonight, so uh, I'll find out if I can defend him. But like, he's a, he was a phenomenal player. He must have great hands to have done that. I don't evaluate on tape. I thought he looked great on tape. But like I can't tell you that means that he is good at catching the ball. But in terms of his stats, uh, he's kind of off the charts in that manner. And he's got Drew Brees, right? That I built that in <laughs> to part of my rules of rookie evaluation. Yeah, yeah. Drew Brees is like plus four points, right? Because yeah, like <laughs> uh, Brees is having an, another fantastic year. Since last year, he didn't have such a great year because he didn't have the touchdowns because they ran a lot. This year, he's throwing right. a lot more. He looks like the Dubreeze of old. I mean, he's definitely in the MVP candidate, but 
it's going to be tough to beat Mahomes as MVP, I think, this year. Right. But, but, but Drew Brees is playing. We're going to get there to Mahomes. We're going to get to the Mahomes. Yeah. He always do. He but always I love, does. I love Drew, Drew Brees. Brees is so good, man. So good. And I put him in the MVP talk because uh, he, he's doing he's doing good things throwing that ball. And the Saints are back where they were a couple years ago. He's just such a good player. Um, one thing, maybe you guys have got to take on this, and you can help me defend against Jake here. Um, Drew Brees also has spread it around more than he's been doing. Like he's yes, been he basically sending it to Michael Thomas, which proves sure. that Michael Thomas is this phenomenal player. Also, a player like my biggest miss ever was saying Michael Thomas wasn't worth wasn't worth where he was being drafted. He is clearly one of the best receivers in the league now, so that was a mistake. But he his target share and like a yards have really dropped off the last couple of weeks with the return of ingram and the you know ted ginn went down and now this who i think is a better player at the doing that role Traycon smith yeah. is involved and even cam meredith has actually been leading in a few in in a few volume metrics do you think drew breeze might start to spread it around more so someone like Traquan smith can actually you know produce <laughs> and not just michael thomas or do you think it's going to still just be michael thomas I think he's going to spread the ball around. You seen that a little bit last week. I mean, I think he's going to spread the ball. And not many people can say, I don't know if any other quarterback has done this, but with that win last week against the Ravens, why they ever went for two? I mean, I understand they went for the win, but with that loss, I mean, with that win that Breeze had, he finally beat every NFL team out there. So right. Yeah. Beat all 32 teams now. Right there. You still saw Michael Thomas get nine targets this game, but you had Traquan get six, Ben Watson get six, uh, Arnold get three. Don't even know who Arnold is, really. Uh, yeah, Meredith, Meredith wasn't even a factor. Meredith only played twenty five percent snaps, but the argument is there that like ever since after week two, he has been spreading the ball around more. I think that's partially yes. because of the yeah. double coverage on Michael Thomas. But uh, yeah. Drew Brees isn't gonna force feed a guy if he doesn't have to because he trusts his receivers. Right, I think that's what it is. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna see the trust build with Traquan Smith as they get more reps together because he only is a rookie and defenses are gonna be focusing on Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. And you're going to have Traquan Smith, who I think is underrated as he is, just in the middle of the I field. Think moving forward, Ben, ben Watson is going to get a share of catches also in that offense. Yeah. Ben Watson has six. Yeah, he's going to spike up now and again, just because uh, what you're saying, Drew Brees can hit anyone. So oh, the sure. guy who's open is going to get it. Like last week, it was Ben uh, Watson, also a really underrated player, um, just because he's good. And, just like say never got the role but um yeah that's really uh it's really good to hear frankly um just to be clear again i said michael thomas is one of the best wide receivers in the nfl it's not like i'm not worried about him no, no. <laughs> Traycon smith can hit and uh and michael thomas still be in every week's start so yes like no panic on that guy yeah, no panic <laughs> no, on michael no. thomas uh I love Michael Thomas. He's fun to watch for sure. And then uh, other side of the ball, Baltimore Ravens, John Brown, seven catches on seven targets. This guy, if he wasn't in this offense, I don't, I don't think they'd be good at all. I don't think they'd be close to winning games. No. Uh, John Brown, I did not realize he was going to be this good. I always say he was a late round. Stash. I thought Michael. Go ahead. I thought Crabtree could be a little better, and he's been solid, but you're right. It's John Brown. I saw a stat. <laughs> it was friend. a stat with Crabtree. I think he's leading the NFL in drops with nine so far. Mm. That's that's not good. Oh, but he's still, no, he's still, good. still a solid option at the wide receiver. Yeah, because he, he yeah. gets his points every week. There. I mean, it's usually a high right. volume passing offense. Uh, next game, Dallas, Washington, Ezekiel Elliott. What what the heck? I don't, know. I, don't <laughs> I don't even know how to explain that. That was a disappointment. No, it was it was a good thing to see. We are Giants fans, so we like to see the Cowboys struggle, and I like how they lost. I mean, I'm okay <laughs> with it. The best thing for the Cowboys, I think, is Amari Cooper got traded to them. So that should help their offense out a little bit as far as Dak throwing the ball. But so uh, we'll have to see. Ben Gretsch, if you guys don't follow him at Yards Per Gretsch, does a great piece every week of stealing signals. And this week he had one about Amari Cooper and how he may fit into this offense. So Dak Prescott has a 24.8% tight windows throws, which per next-gen stats is the second highest among 38 qualified quarterbacks. And Derek Carr had a big unwillingness to throw into tight windows. So... I, Carr was the fourth least aggressive quarterback among 38 qualified passers, and then you see Dak Prescott be second most. So I think this helps out Cooper. And yes, it's not like if I went from Oakland to Dallas, I'm like, oh, great, Dak Prescott now. But uh, I, hopefully it fares better for Amari Cooper. I'm, one of a, I'm not a big Amari Cooper truther, and I've been wrong on him. I wrote an article. My first article ever, I wrote Amari Cooper saying he's going to be top 12 this year, and how has that turned out for me? <laughs> 
And I didn't like, <laughs> and I didn't like him from the beginning. Remember? You started coming back around on him, but uh, still, yeah, I, you were. I, still, yeah. I mean, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. Still from a dynasty perspective, um, I keep going back to his elite production at 21 and 22 years old, and then you see. You know what that means? Off. That means Jordy Nelson's the number one target in uh, Oakland. I don't want a piece. Even though Oakland doesn't look that impressive. <laughs> I'm just saying he's he's the number one option now in that in that uh, wide receiver core. Yeah, they want to buy. So uh, Cooper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's not much to take away from this. Michael Gallup played 85% of snaps. Uh, my dad liked Michael Gallup coming out of college. We both did. Yeah. But it's Dallas, so I don't really know how much value. You think Cooper's going to do better in Dallas than he did in Oakland, Peter? Or are you? I think he almost has to. I actually like Dak Prescott a little more. Like, I didn't like him as much, and then everyone faded on him. Like, they had him in the top five, and then now in the bottom 24 or something. So I, I've ended up being high on him. I think... Like he's shown pretty much the last two weeks, he's better than he has been. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Amari Cooper is someone that's done phenomenal things, like at his age in the NFL and in college, and I just have to keep valuing that. Um, his efficiency this year, I mean, everyone's talking about his drops, but drops come and go, and that's always one of the most important things to keep in mind. Like, yeah, like Matt Breida was someone that couldn't catch passes at all, and let, this year he's been pretty solid as a receiver in terms of his catch rate. And Mike Evans went through a drop rate. DeAndre Hopkins, I remember, famously couldn't catch the ball for a little while in his rookie year, and now he's one of the most phenomenal catchers of the ball in the NFL. Drops are just something we should tend to fade. He is showing an efficiency dip where he's getting targets most, according to ayards.com, but he's not done that any other year. So I think that has to be a product of what's going on in Oakland right now. So mostly, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm in on Cooper. Let's let's stay in on the phenomenal player. Why not? I gotta gotta stay. I am worried about Gallup, like you said, though. Yeah, a little bit. That means less for Gallup. Yeah. Other side of the ball, Washington won this game. Uh, Peterson, if it's a positive game script, you plug him in, and if it's negative, Chris Thompson didn't play. Uh, but Chris Thompson's fun to watch too. It's very hard to predict this offense, and I don't want any work of this uh, passing game at all really other than Chris Thompson like I feel like it's running backs on this team and I'm not starting anyone I don't want to start Jordan Reed anymore no he's he's fell short of 50 yards for three out of the last four games so I I was very high on him too if he could stay healthy he's been healthy but he's just not doing it just not getting the numbers yeah and that's what I want to see but who I know who is getting numbers that the Rams holy crap this offense oh, is uh, man. This, that offense is the best in football yeah definitely uh <clears throat> they look so good from Gurley on down I'll let uh, right. Pete take this one away. The Rams, a lot of young players, a lot of good dynasty assets, uh, redraft assets as well. So what do you got to say about this game they had against San Fran where it is annihilated them 39-10? Well, of course they did. <laughs> I would say it's from Cooks on down, though, um, just because, you know, a team wide receiver over here. But Gurley is obviously just getting just elite volume with an elite talent, and it's hard to argue with that. Um and elite coach. Yeah, I love the team. Like say, it, it's from the coach on down. Even like everything about this organization's on fire this year. Um, it, it's really exciting to see. Um, I would step back just for a second and say I like Jordan Reed. I think you know we've seen his ceiling, and right now he's getting good targets in the NFL, and he's not getting injured. Like I think that's being underrated slightly. Um, but you're right. He's he's not putting up the numbers, but I'm still someone that I'm really excited to see back on the field. Um, I'm just going to blame Alex Smith for that. Um, but as for the team, yeah, it's just start everyone. This week, Cup looks like he's not going to start, and so you start Robert Woods and um, Brandon Cooks twice as hard. Like, hit that submit button just twice as hard <laughs> because they're going to get more. Um, and maybe Josh Reynolds. Like, uh, I've heard him, like you said, Matt Kelly's been waiting for him for two weeks. Um, I think I'm going to come in this week. Like, I'd still start. You know, it's probably just going to filter down to those two receivers. But um, this week, I don't like to play matchups too much, but he looked like he was sacrificed a little in the last two weeks. Um, if Cup misses, I think Josh Reynolds might might do a little more this week. Yeah, interesting to see him. If you're uh, struggling for a flex play, definitely put in Josh Reynolds because Cup uh, came out today is doubtful for this week eight matchup. Uh, now on San Fran, I only want to talk about one thing, and that's going to be Raheem Mostert. Um, very young guy. A lot of people don't know a lot about him, but uh, what does he gotta, look like? Dude? Know about him. He looks good. <laughs> he looks good on the field. Seven yards because he's really not a producer. Like he no. was bad in college. Yeah, um, <laughs> seven well, yards per carry. Had, right. Between seven, two games. He had seven. He had seven rushes for fifty-nine yards. He also uh, caught four receptions for nineteen yards. So 
I think moving forward, as, as long as Breed is not as healthy as he's been, I think he's the guy. Alfred Morris is nothing anymore. Yeah, I mean, this offense is just... I bad. don't know how Breed has been staying on the field. Huh. Honestly, with all those injuries, he must be one... Like, again, I think it was Evan Silva who just said he's one of the toughest guys. Clearly, he must be. That must yeah, be the answer. But, um, yeah. Uh, what's How do you say his name? Most, I think it's Mostar. It's, uh, but it's also a bad team, so I'm not really excited about him. And he's really efficient right now, so efficiency, I don't like the chase. But he is getting some volume, and hopefully he gets more volume going forward. Uh, I believe San Fran also has the second best run blocking offensive line so far. I believe that was from at Debro underscore FFB on Twitter. Derek Brown, friend of the podcast. Uh, but it's it's hard to tell yeah. with this bad offense. Like I don't really want a piece of it, but if you're struggling for running backs like I am in one league, I'm putting Mostert in there against the Cardinals this week who are the worst against the run. So look to play him in a nice little matchup there. Yeah, he, he might be a sneaky start. Again, if you're looking for a flex play or something this week, he's, he's ranking pretty highly in that. Just because of the, the week that it is. Yeah, and then uh, Sunday Night Football, Kansas City, Cincinnati. Everyone thought it was going to be a close shootout. It was a shootout for one team, and that's the Chiefs again. Uh, Mahomes. Wow. I, I mean, I don't even... I, I don't even <laughs> my dad did not like Mahomes getting into the season. No, I didn't. He, I didn't know what the hype was because he hasn't really played. He played one game, but I'm telling you, the guy, he's, he's fantastic. He, there's, he has... You look, the look on his face, he has... Fear of nothing. He does not care. <laughs> he doesn't care what people say, what they think, what's on the field. You can see him under under the the snap. He's changing plays. He, he's just he's very very poised for a young quarterback. He's doing great things at Kansas City. Definitely is. And then uh, I think that's a sensible approach, though, right? You literally hadn't seen him played in the NFL, and then you see yeah. him, and he's good. Now you like him. I think that's yeah. the right way to do it. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, you have to. You have to. <laughs> You have to like what he's doing. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. The, the kid has no fear whatsoever. I don't see it. Yeah, no, it... yeah there is touchdown regression coming, but that's, oh, sure. yeah. you know, but still. I, I, I can't time that. I don't know when it's going to happen. It might just be, and we've already seen a little bit of it, and he was still fantastic because he ran one in. Yeah. Nice so, to I see mean, that uh... they're, finally, they're finally doing the right things, too. They're using Hunt a lot more than they did. Uh, of course. So I traded him away. The, the whole team is doing it. I traded Hunt away two weeks ago, and he just goes off yeah, the last two weeks. It's great. Uh, <laughs> just how fancy. Never trade, Hunt. That's, that's the key right here. Never, don't, everything I say on the podcast is to completely ignore, basically, because I'm wrong all the time. On it. Uh, Cincinnati side yeah, of the ball. You've been wrong pretty much okay, a lot. We'll talk about yeah, that yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals. Um, AJ Green looks good. Uh, the team just looked awful offensively against the Chiefs defense, which was a little weird to see. Mixon still had good usage. I think Mixon's a sneaky by low candidate right here. Um, Uzomoa had a down game. Mixon had a down game. Boyd had a down game. But A.J. Green still did A.J. Green things. 48% target share in this game. That's not going to stay consistent, but that's pretty neat little target share snap right there. Any other takeaways from this game, both of you? Do you know uh, John Bosch? John Bosch. Does not sound familiar. Yeah, if you don't, you should. He used to be at Empire FF on Twitter, but he's changed his name now. It's probably just John Bosch. And um, he's a really great follower, does a lot for the community and charity, but he's also a really good fantasy player. He used to be, and it's important important to him that I point out that he's no longer, but he used to be a Bengals fan, but he knows the Bengals pretty much better than anyone else that I personally know. Um, and what he says is the reason that the Bengals suck in primetime games is because of the coaching, essentially. And it's because when they come up against a pretty decent team, they're going to struggle, but just because they're poorly built and talent aside. Yeah. Um, and so that's why they mostly fail in primetime games. So I'm just going to say what he says, because yeah, yeah. I really don't think I can do better than John Bosch yeah, on this one. Like, too. I love AJ Green. I really love Tyler Boyd. He's one of those AJ team breakouts I was talking about. Yes. Um, and finally getting good. Um, Andy Dalton's competent, you know, he's fine. Um, yep. so I think it's, you know, uh, sometimes we forget that in a prime time game, they, they're going to struggle. And, um, that's what happened again this week. That's what I think, but that's a little narrative driven. What do you guys think? I agree. Marvin Lewis is awful, 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 awful. <laughs> I have a Bengals fan as a friend, uh, and he's does not want Marvin Lewis there. I don't know why they haven't fired him yet. He's bad. They had a good coach. I actually want to see what this offense could do now because they upgraded their offensive line from last year's awful like performance, and then they have Mixon who's healthy and now, and he's gonna get more healthy this coming off season with the his surgery he's gonna get at the end of the season. AJ Green's still twenty nine, almost thirty now. I think maybe thirty now. And then you got Boyd, who everyone was waiting to happen, and he finally did happen. So that's four guys who are young. 
I, I right. utter an AJ Green. I guess you can consider him kind of an older receiver, but they produce to the 35. If you're elite and he's elite, I consider him elite. So he's got five more years of production. So if we get a new coach, <laughs> that's that's the thing. And then I mean the bang like like Peter said, you know, they just don't perform in prime time because the Bengals have looked pretty good. Yeah. In recent weeks. Speaking mm-hmm. of prime time, Except Dad. Prime speaking time. of prime time, we're gonna get into right now that the Giants. Oh, oh no! Oh, Why do you want to no. talk about that? Oh no! They look so bad. <laughs> you know, the, the the game was a it was a close score, but it, that didn't justify it all because for for fifty five minutes they sucked. The, uh, Eli Manning <laughs> they is sucked. like you saw on the sideline. Pat you know, hey, he, yelling. he still threw. It's not his fault. Uh, fault really? Though, it is his he had fault. a decent game. No, I don't care about the yards. Did you see on the sideline? I don't know if you saw it during the game. Yeah. The thing about Pat Schumer yeah. was like chanting, "Throw it to Odell," and he wouldn't throw it to Odell. Yeah. It's, it's the Eli apology. The offensive board. line is it's terrible Eli, still. Oh, I think now. I say bench Eli and start the other guy. Give him a shot. All right, now you just got to ride with the – Eli's a good <laughs> Dude, excuse for a coach. You're not Kyle Laletta, isn't it? Yeah, Laletta. Mini Alex Smith. Start him. Let's see what no, you can do. No, if you're a coach, <laughs> I'm using Eli Manning so I can blame all the losses on Eli Manning and not me and keep my job for another year. That's. You know, I, I be, said at the beginning of the year the Giants are going to be uh, – Exciting to watch, even though their first—I I also said their first seven games of the season were were very difficult. Was one of the hardest schedules yes. starting out, and it, and it and it shows that it was. But I, I thought the Giants would be a little better than they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, besides um, Barkley, Barkley, Barkley's fantastic. Oh, he's phenomenal. And just to point out, you know, because I end up saying, you know, they shouldn't have taken him at that pick a lot. There's nothing more positive you could say or ever expect from a player than what Saquon Barkley's been doing. He's phenomenal. It just hasn't mattered. (laughs) The result of it is, like you said, they got 20 points by the end of the game, so the loss looks a little bit better. (laughs) And that's a loss is a loss. Yay. (laughs) We're both Giant fans. It's pitiful to watch. It's tough. As Giant fans, what do you think, though? Is it like long, I guess one of the best things they could do is keep Eli in and keep sucking. Or do you really want them to just, like you said, bench him and see what they can do. But like their pick will be higher and whatnot. If they keep sucking, I want so to get the what would you pick. want them to do as giant tank, fan? tank tank get out of here. I like tank. tanking. And get I mean, there's four teams right now that are one and six. Yeah, we're awful. So they're all in the Buffalo is not that far behind. Buffalo looks terrible, even though they do have two wins, but they, they look terrible. So <laughs> they're all, they're all flying right now for a quarterback in the draft. So, I mean, that's what the Giants need. They need a co- somebody yeah, young no to come line, in there yeah. and take over. So, and we need some help on the offensive line. Until that happens, you can have anybody behind behind snap, and he's not going to do much better because Eli's getting rushed almost every time. They're they're coming at him. He just he just stands there. He's not like Trubisky where he he, he can run seventy yards for eight yards. No, Eli sees him coming. But go ahead, get me. Just just tackle me. <laughs> and that's what I see. Yeah, I don't know. It's just frustrating. It's bad. It's it's sad. It's, it, as giant fans, it's sad. Well, what else is sad? Though? I honestly, I honestly don't think I can add to that any more than like <laughs> your opening sounds on when you said the Giants and you all went, oh, oh. that's it. That's the best I could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love lots of these players, but oh god. Uh, right. Another right. thing you can make that noise to is Julio Jones and touchdowns. It just it's just non-existent <laughs> at this point. I don't understand what's happening right now with him. The yards are he has. I, I think this I saw this morning was uh ten less yards than Adam Thielen, fourteen less catches and then five touchdowns to zero touchdowns. Like that's insane. <laughs> I don't. I, no, it's literally insane. Um, my explanation is going to be Julio's because I can't explain it any better than that. He said he's just not selfish, right? He's happy if someone catches the touchdown. That sounds fine to me. I'll take one of the best yards receiver in the NFL ever. Who's just not selfish? That's like a bonus and it, almost. And, and, it, and the other thing to remember is it doesn't matter. He's still a locked-in wide receiver one every week, so that's pretty cool. And, and if you, he catches a touchdown Peter, one week, yeah. Peter, try to set up a meeting between him and Odell so he can talk some sense into Odell then. So he, <laughs> so he, because he, he's a, he's a crybaby when he doesn't get the ball. I don't know. He's also passionate if it's Tom Brady though, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I have no problems with Odell to be honest, but um, yeah. I'd, I don't know. It really comes down to that. It's usage, right? Like you guys have been saying, it's who's getting the targets and where they're getting them. Um, Julio's not going to catch your touchdowns, maybe, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just yeah. keep starting yeah. him. And Point seven like five that one Robert. week he catches a touchdown, he's going to like be the best wide receiver in the NFL, even more so. Yeah. So point seven five Whopper in week seven, and still leads the NFL over the course of the season in Whopper. So 
opportunity, yeah. opportunity, opportunity. And he's the guy doing it with distance and and regularity, right? He's getting a lot of targets, and they're all downfield. So, yeah, I, like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to solve for our Week 7 review. We got lots of stat info in there, a couple of Dynasty targets, Dynasty talks, redraft talks, trade talks. We had everything today. That was uh, in an hour. It's not bad at all. We did good for time. Um, hopefully, we got Pete some time to relax a little bit before his podcast records. Uh, <laughs> But where can they find you on Twitter and what do you do in the fantasy community? Peter, you four is yours, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't want to, like, I'm not selling myself. I'm just having fun. It's meeting you guys. Um, I've been playing this stuff for a while. I find a lot of fun. It was a really interesting way to learn the sport of, like, the country I had moved to, frankly. (laughs) And um, now it's just something I'm obsessed with. I really enjoy the research, and now I end up sharing that. Um, I write for DLF, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. They're a great site, great people. Um, really had a lot of fun getting to know them as well. Um, I do projections for Player Profiler, and I'm doing this podcast with Jake Anderson, um, Dynasty Crossroads. And, and like I say, I'm not selling anything. <laughs> like I know a lot of people are actually in the community good, doing good work for charity. I'm really just a guy having fun playing fantasy, and I share a lot of my research because I tend to be research-obsessed on Twitter. And you can find all of that um, at PA Howdy. Uh, that's what I am on Twitter. So ask me a question or just hit me up for a conversation because that's the fun of this, I, I honestly seem to find. Yeah. Um, that, that was a terrible spiel, but I, I'm, I don't have a great spiel, right? <laughs> I'll do it for you. Matt Kelly said it early enough. He's in a podcast episode. <laughs> if you guys listen to the Roto Underworld podcast, and he said, if you're not following Peter on Twitter, you're absolutely crazy. And it's it's very true. His projections are great he shares all his research shows his methods behind it and he has great articles and definitely worth a follow on twitter he's one of the, my favorite followers on twitter because of all the statistical information he puts out there and definitely responds to you too so definitely go follow him at pa howdy like you said so thanks for coming on peter we enjoyed having you yes, on thank you peter. awesome anytime man i've really enjoyed it yeah. thanks for asking yeah, thank you all right, yeah, guys, big thank you to Peter. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Once again, you use code FSFF over at thequantedge.com. They have special deals there. They also have a betting thing now. So if you use it, let me know at Twitter, at JustinFSFF. Trying to get our viewer interaction up. We'll also have more guests on the show soon. Um, so stay tuned to that, and thanks for listening.